Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Thank you, David. Wow, what a fantastic crowd. I'm sure the uh, restaurateurs in the Elkhart Lake area are wondering what the hell happened tonight, but uh, we'll get you out of here in time to hopefully partake. I want to welcome you on behalf of IMSA. Uh, special welcome, of course, to Jim France, to Ed Bennett, and of course to our IMSA stakeholders. Appreciate you making time out of what I know is always a busy, busy evening whenever we're at the racetrack. And my final welcome goes to the IMSA staff that have joined us. I am the one that's fortunate enough to be able to stand up here and announce a lot of things and uh, communicate a lot of, of news. But there's a very significant team of people that make it all possible for us to do what we do. So I welcome all of you. We do have a lot of ground to cover, just as David said. We've got a state of the series address to be given. We have a 2016 schedule to be announced and perhaps some news. Rather than validation of the already known, we just might for once have some real news to share with you this evening. Now, for those that are familiar with an American Le Mans series, State of the Series, you know that those typically were an endurance event in and of themselves, typically lasting more than an hour. Now, tonight, the good news is I'm going to adopt the sprint race format. There will be no co-drivers, no pit stops, and I'm going to be on the gas from the start to the finish. But before we do get started, just a quick review of exactly what makes up the sanctioning body known as the International Motorsports Association, or as most of us refer to it, IMSA. And we are proud to be the sanctioning body of record for both professional and pro-am sports car racing in North America. And while, of course, it's easy to focus on the Tudor Championship, it's the challenge and single-make platforms that are central to our makeup and are certainly important. They have important roles in our success. To all of you here tonight that are connected to one or more of those IMSA competitions and IMSA championships that we have, we know that many of you have choices, and we want to convey our appreciation and our thanks for choosing to race with us. So without further delay, let's get things started with a quick, quick review of how things have played out so far this year on track. The competition in the Tudor Championship has been outstanding. You see the stats, I won't read them for you, but five different winners in the first five races. What a way to start. Multiple teams, multiple cars, multiple tire manufacturers, and more drivers than we can count across all four classes have found success already this season. In almost every example, it's been the last turns of the last lap that has decided who's on the podium just as was the case today in the Continental Tire Challenge race. What an incredible event that was. We have tight battles going on in every, in every class for championships, and there's no doubt in our minds that this is going to carry on through the balance of the season, and it's going to be those last laps at Petit Le Mans that are going to decide who takes home the championship trophies. To say that the quality of the teams and the drivers that compete in the Tudor Championship was on display at Le Mans this year would be an understatement. IMSA-based drivers won overall for Porsche in the LMP1 category, and the stalwart 
always favorite Corvette racing team recovered from a very serious accident. It actually eliminated one of their entries to come back and take the win in GT Pro. Bill Sweedler, Townsend Bell, Jeff Siegel earned a very hard-fought and very much-deserved podium in GTE-AM. And we all witnessed a very strong debut run for Ben Keating, for Jerome Bleakmolem, and Mark Miller in their GTE-AM Viper. When the best drivers, the best teams in the world converged on Le Mans this past June, it was the IMSA teams and drivers that took a lot of the hardware and headlines out of France. How about a round of applause for those teams and drivers that did so well for us this year? And when it comes to our plans, our future plans for class configuration, we like to think that we've communicated early and often, but we still continue to get questions about this. So here's a brief recap of where we are today and where we are headed in the future. In prototype, it's status quo through 16. I think that's well known. But there's an incredible new global prototype that's coming in 17. I'm going to touch more on that in a moment. Prototype challenge, PC. Status quo confirmed through 16. Again, no news there. But we've had some ongoing dialogue with our PC team owners and drivers. It's resulted in some good directional guidance. And in the not distant future, we will be providing final decisions on what the future holds there. In GTLM, new evolutionary technical regulations are set to begin in 16 that will continue to confirm that this class is going to continue to produce outstanding cars. It's going to continue to attract world-class drivers, premium manufacturers. It's an example of don't fix it if it's not broken. GTD. The new FIA GT3 regulations are also set to begin in 16, and with that, we anticipate expanded grids and the attraction of new manufacturers. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that new prototype for 17. It's not possible to accurately describe the positive energy and excitement that surrounds this initiative. The process started, believe it or not, over a year ago, and that's when senior management and the technical teams from IMSA, the ACO, and the FIA got together and began working very closely. First, to define the technical specifications of this new prototype, and then most recently to select the four constructors who will build this new global prototype. Now, without question, this whole process has been one of the most thorough and professional that we've ever participated in. It's truly been remarkable. We couldn't be more pleased, though, with the four confirmed constructors. Delara, Multimatic Riley, Enroque, and Orica, each one of them outstanding, each one of them very capable, all committed to providing full service and support to North American-based teams. The new prototype will be eligible to race globally, of course, in the Tudor Championship, at Le Mans, and at the, within the European Le Mans series. Now, the ACO P2 spec of this car will compete with a spec powertrain and deliberately no manufacturer involvement. On the other, side, other end of that spectrum will be IMSA's approach, which will encourage multiple manufacturer involvement with a variety, wide variety of engine eligibility and the opportunity for participating manufacturers to bring brand-specific design cues into their bodywork. Now, IMSA prototypes will be eligible to race at Le Mans, and European teams will be competing 
that are competing with that ACO P2 spec car will be eligible for all Tudor Championship events. For the IMSA competitors that wish to compete at Le Mans, they can do so with that same car and utilizing that same motor, but they will be required to use the original constructor bodywork. Now, IMSA's technical details as it relates to the bodywork and the engine eligibility are in the final stage of approval and will be issued in the very near future. Now, another question that we often get is, when are we going to increase the year-end points fund? And the answer is now, in preparation for our 2016 season. A 50% increase has been confirmed, bringing the fund to more than $1.5 million with a purposeful allocation to our Pro-Am classes. When coupled with our event purses and other awards, there will be more than $4 million available to teams competing in the 2016 Tudor Championship, more than any other professional sports car racing championship in the world. And while we would be the first to agree that there is still room to grow in this category, for a championship that does not receive any television rights fees, it represents a very significant point of difference compared to other alternatives and an area, rest assured, that we will continue to focus on improving. Now, one of the truly positive developments that came out of the merger was the incorporation of our two proud charities, Camp Boggy Creek and the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Both are committed to making life better for children and their families that are dealing with very serious medical challenges. IMSA is very proud to be directly involved with both of them, not only in fundraising, that's obviously important and critical, but also participating in hospital and camp visits. If you've ever attended one, you know what I speak of when I say how rewarding and priority resetting those experiences are. We encourage everyone here to continue actively supporting these most worthy partners of ours. Now, moving along to the metrics of our marketing and our media. There's a lot of good news here to report. Now, television continues to be a challenging environment for all but the most largest and most established categories of sport. But in our year-over-year -year results on Fox Sports 1, those results reflect a solid 8% improvement. Another fact that may help you put this into perspective is on a typical Tudor Championship broadcast, we are consistently in the top 25% of all broadcast, all events, all content on Fox Sports 1 for that programming week. So while we're not happy about where we are, as it relates to Fox Sports 1, we're in pretty good uh, region there. As I've said, we are far from satisfied from our results here, and improving our performance on television will continue to be a top priority. But the good news to take away from this is that we're trending in the right direction. Now, as you can see from the numbers, our digital results, including the live event streaming and the YouTube viewing of our races, are growing rapidly, both in terms of the number of uniques and, equally important, the amount of time that they're spending viewing. Now, IMSA is no different than every other major sport in that we aggressively have a foothold in traditional live television broadcasting, while at the same time having to offer multiple digital options for both live and on-demand viewing. All of this is extraordinarily expensive to create, but all of it, in our case, being done with very high production, quality, and content. And IMSA radio. To put it bluntly, one of our shining stars, both nationally and internationally. 
John Heindoff, Greg Kramer, Jeremy Shaw have done an exceptional job presenting all of our events live, and the fan response has been overwhelming. IMSA Radio, it's available many places, multiple websites, through the IMSA mobile app, on Sirius XM satellite radio, with such connectivity and the ease to be able to find this great signal, there's no wonder that it's become so popular. And speaking of that IMSA mobile app, another great success. Our staff member, Brian Byerwaltis, worked with the geniuses at Microsoft to create a truly benchmark example of a sports app, delivering an industry first with the simultaneous creation of iOS, Android, and Windows formats, all together, all at once. Now, if your other job happens to be a member of the Geek Squad at Best Buy, I'm told that what we've accomplished here that you are very impressed by. It's good to know. Now, the app delivers user-friendly content and is unmatched in our industry. Live video streaming, live IMSA radio, live timing and scoring, and the ability to customize it to your favorite car, team, driver, brand. There's a special thank you that needs to be made here, and that is to the automotive manufacturing partners that helped us make this possible. In alphabetical order, BMW, Chevrolet, Ford, Mazda, and Porsche. An app of this level of content and sophistication and capability, very expensive, over $500,000 in our example. But with their investments, they made it possible for us to make this app available to our fans for free. So if you have not already downloaded it to your iPhone, your iPad, to your computer, you are missing out on one of the best infotainment experiences there is. I recommend it highly. Now, I think everybody in the room tonight already knows, but we are fortunate to have more true automotive partners than any other professional motorsports platform. A grid full of premium manufacturers who are actively engaged with factory-backed teams, they're providing technical support, consumer marketing activation, all racing what they sell and benefiting from the direct link that we provide with relevant technology transfer from the racetrack to road cars and related applications. And of course, while we're honored to have so many automotive partners, we're also fortunate to have attracted many iconic lifestyle brands. From elegant timepieces to premium coffee, we have a diverse mix of category-leading brands. Our newest additions, as you can see highlighted, include DECRA, which has been a great addition to, as our official technical certification partner. They have brought a whole new level of inspection expertise to IMSA's scrutineering process. Ingersoll Rand, just on board, is our official power tool, and Konica Minolta has expanded their involvement from Wayne Taylor Racing to now also be our official business solutions partner, as well as branding the Konica Minolta Business Center in our paddock chock full of brand new state-of-the-art office machines for your use as well. So looking ahead, now there's a lot more in this category than we possibly have time to cover tonight, but here's some of the highlights of what you can expect from us going forward in 16. Now for anyone who's ever renovated a house, you know how important it is to take that before picture. And that's what you're looking at. You're looking at the before picture from Daytona International Speedway. And here's the after. Isn't that amazing? It's not done yet, but what you're looking at is a completed section of the $400 million Daytona Rising project, 
a comprehensive reimagining of some of the most hallowed ground in sports. We will all have the good fortune of being able to participate in the grand opening of this spectacular new motorsports stadium with the 54th running of the Rolex 24 at Daytona, just 175 days from right now. And in case you were wondering if this stunning new facility is generating any interest among our fans regarding that 2016 Rolex, track president Joey Chitwood is here with us tonight. I spoke to him earlier. He shared with me a couple of sound bites, and I'm going to share them with you now. Advanced ticket sales, up 29% from the same point last year. Reserved RV infield camping, sold out. Reserved infield tent camping, sold out. General infield car parking, sold out. Get the idea? It sounds like a textbook example of build it and they will come. So Joey, congratulations to you, to your team. We can't wait to see the finished products and help you with your grand opening next January. So looking ahead to what we can expect on our grids. By now everyone is aware, as mentioned before, that the GTD category, GT Daytona, is evolving to embrace the FIA GT3 technical regulations. And with that, we do expect an expansion of entries and the return of many and hopefully all of our existing manufacturers and the debut of some new ones. Now, as always, it's never our news to announce, but I'm confident that in the not distant future, some of these TBA, to be announced segments there, will have some very impressive logos filling in. Now, in the GTLM class, the buzz and the energy has never been stronger with the global racing debut of the new Ford GT, confirmed for that to occur at Daytona this coming January. The GTLM class has always been populated by world-class teams, cars and drivers, and manufacturers, of course, and it has always produced great racing. But I think we would all agree that that bar is about to be raised. So, ladies and gentlemen, in 3,164 words, I've just provided you with a very brief and condensed look at the state of the series and a preview of what we can all look forward to in 2016 and beyond. I want to take a moment to close with some important words. There's a lot for us to be proud of. There's a lot for us to be happy about. I'm at times accused of being too optimistic. Make no mistake. Our heads are not in the clouds. We don't have the rose-colored glasses on. We do know that there's still some heavy lifting to be done. We've got a lot of work still to be done, some improvements to be made across all aspects of our business. The merger process that we went through, without question, the most difficult and challenging period for all of us. But that's behind us. The days of difficult and sometimes frustrating compromises of adjustments, trying to incorporate Grand Am and LMS specifications into a single class, all of that is about to be replaced with new, unified, global specifications that will usher in new cars, new manufacturers, and a whole new era for professional sports car racing in North America. Collectively, all of us have come a long way in the past two years. The underpinnings of IMSA, the organization, 
The people behind it have never been stronger, have never been better resourced, and without sounding overly confident, we believe it's a great time for all of us to be involved. And we believe that our collective futures here have never been brighter. And we hope that you agree. And with that, we're going to shift gears. And we're going to focus on exactly when and where and what we'll be racing in 2016. As has already been stated, we're going to kick things off at Daytona with the grand opening of Daytona Rising, round one of the Tequila Patron North American Endurance Cup, and also, of course, the opening round of the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. We'll return to Sebring International Raceway in March for the 64th running of the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring, fueled by Fresh from Florida, also round two of the Patron Endurance Cup. April 16th puts us back on the streets of Long Beach, this time with the PC class joining us with our, along with Prototype and our GTLM. I expect Paul Genalosi to stand up and give us a standing ovation right now. Yeah. Thank you. Just saying. The last days of April and the 1st of May will take us back to Monterey and Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, where again all four classes and the Continental Tire Challenge, among others, will be on the schedule. June 3 and 4 puts us back in the Motor City in beautiful Belle Isle with the prototypes, our PC class, and GTD, giving our GTLM teams the opportunity that we have in recent years to go prepare for Le Mans. Go prepare to dominate Le Mans again, I should say. After a short break to enable many of our teams and drivers to, uh, to do just that, do what they do best at Le Mans, we will relaunch the second half of our season on the 4th of July weekend. That'll be at Watkins Glen. It will also be round three. Yeah, thank you. Round three of the Patron Endurance Cup there as well. Now, due to the way that the 2016 calendar dates fall, in order to maintain the date equity and also the event cadence, we will be immediately traveling north after Watkins Glen to Canadian Tire Motorsports Park for a four-class championship round July 9th and 10th. And you see back to all four categories there, all four classes again. Now, after a well-deserved couple of weeks off, we'll be back in action again July 23rd at the new and very much improved Lime Rock Park, this time enhanced by the inclusion of GTLM. And if you were not with us a couple of weeks ago at Lime Rock, you don't know what I'm referring to, but you will be very pleasantly surprised when you go there again for the first time. One year from this weekend, we will return to Elkhart Lake and Road America for another great weekend of world-class sports car racing. George, the facility, as always, never looked better. The addition of those new permanent HD screens, just the latest addition, we say to you, well done. August 20 and 21 puts us back at VIR with our GTLM and GTD classes. So once again, the GT categories being the stars of the show that weekend, joined, of course, by the Continental Tire Challenge, other IMSA single make content. If you're a fan of the best GT racing in North America, make your plans now. We're back in Austin, Texas at the Circuit of the Americas, along with our friends from the World Endurance Championship on September 16th and 17th. Of course, as has been the case the last couple of years, the combination of the IMSA content and WEC platforms together on the same weekend makes this a must-be-at event for people across the country. And finally, we close out the season 
with our now traditional finale of Petit Le Mans at Road Atlanta. Round 12 of the Tudor Championship, round four of the Tequila Patron North American Endurance Cup with a 10-hour endurance race that will no doubt determine the championships across all classes yet again. So that's the schedule for 2016. If you were keeping track, it delivers 11 events for all classes except prototype. Once again, I would like to extend my personal thanks and appreciation to our promoter partners for their cooperation and hard work in enabling us to announce this schedule so early with such outstanding lineups of venues and events. It's very difficult to put a schedule together to announce it in the traditional time of year of October and November. There's a lot of moving parts, local conflicts, the dates on the calendar change, TV situations come up. It's tough to do it in October and November. It's extremely difficult to do it the first week of August, but we believe that the pain involved in that process is worth the gain by enabling all of us to make firm plans and commitments for next year. As stated in the media release that will go out tonight in conjunction with this news, we could not be more pleased. We believe we're the first major motorsports entity of any description to announce a full 16 schedule, and that's something I hope we can all benefit from. So normally, this would be the end of our presentation. You've heard a brief update on the state of the series. You now know the 2016 schedule. But stealing a line from the late, great Steve Jobs, but wait, there's one more thing. And with that, I'd like to bring our CEO, Ed Bennett, to the stage. Ed? Good evening. Thank you, Scott, uh, as always, for the update, for your tireless hard work and dedication to IMSA and our loyal paddock. Well, you now have an update on EMSA, and you know the 2016 schedule. Uh, I have the honor tonight of sharing some other additional exciting news. Competition is the core of any motorsports platform. However, to grow our fan base, you need strong marketing partners. The Rolex relationship with EMSA, the France family, and Daytona goes back to the late 50s. Rarely do you have business partners who truly become family, but that's the case with Rolex. Rolex first added the name Daytona to the dial of its Cosmograph line in 1962, the price of choice for both Daytona and Le Mans. They were the entitlement partners, everyone knows, of the Grand Am Rolex sports car series. And earlier this year, they announced uh, with Rolex a 10-year extension of their partnership with the da Daytona International Speedway to serve as the primary sponsor of the Rolex 24 Daytona. Ten years. Very few commitments like that in motorsports or sports in general exist, but tonight we're going to add two more to that rare list. I'm pleased to announce that Rolex has extended its partnership for 10 years with Sebring International Raceway for the famous 12-hour event, as well putting their iconic stamp on two outstanding endurance races here at home that also ignite the EMSA season every year. Additionally, we have also extended our relationship with Tudor for the next 10 years through at least 2025. They will serve as the official timepiece of IMSA. We're thrilled to have them on board for everything that they do and have done, and we're proud to have them for another decade. Thank you, Rolex and Tudor.
Clearly, the long-term commitments that Rolex and Tudor are providing our motorsports platforms, both with IMSA and our key events, speaks to the close historical ties, as well as their confidence in the future of IMSA and all involved. Now, with the relaunch of the Tudor brand in the United States behind them, it's actually time to shift gears. IMSA Radio, your route to American sports car racing. Scott Atherton, first of all, congratulations. Speedy presentation with everybody likes. And great news we have from 2016, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. It literally, without trying to overplay it, it ushers in a new era of professional sports car racing for North America. We have WeatherTech as our new title partner of the championship, but also able to continue with Tudor as our official timepiece for a 10-year term, I think unprecedented in motorsport, as well as Rolex confirming 10 years as title at Daytona and also official watch at Sebring. So that coupled with all of the other advances that have occurred over the last two and a half seasons since we uh, announced the uh, the merger um, could not be more pleased. We've got the resources, we got the stability, and now we've got a marketing powerhouse over the top of all of it that is going to take us to a whole nother level. Without giving away any trade secrets, I know you wouldn't anyway, there was a little bit of dealing that had to be done because Tudor had, had committed to a, a long-term partnership already. However, sometimes you just can't walk past the deal, and it's good to see that everybody comes out of this looking good. I only see positives is what I'm seeing. Yeah, it, you're right. And it, and it did take some, uh, some delicate process there, I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, the fact that Tudor has continued not just for a limited period but an unprecedented period I think sends a huge message for their confidence in this platform and the connectivity that they want. But when we think about the residual effect of having WeatherTech, David McNeil and his organization behind us as our title partner, uh, I mean, everything is about activation. Everything is about exposing our brand to a new audience that, in this case, is a one-to-one match with his. And and it's not just automotive. You know, if you're sitting on an airplane, you open up the in-flight magazine, and there's WeatherTech. You're running on the treadmill in the morning and watching one of the cable news stations, and there's a WeatherTech spot. Um, it's not suggesting that we're going to be a part of everything they do. That's unrealistic. But I can guarantee you that sports car racing is going to a whole nother level as a result of this announcement tonight. And it's often the things that go on behind the scenes and the activation that mean much more, or at least as much, as just having the words weather and tech on the logo of everybody's uniforms. Absolutely right. Uh, you know, we This business runs on passion, and we have... We're blessed to be surrounded by some very passionate partners, both on and off the track. But when you look up that word in the dictionary, there's a headshot of David McNeil as it relates to the automotive sector in general and sports car racing in particular. And for us to be able to blend his enthusiasm for our platform with his entrepreneurial spirit and business acumen, you know, it's this is one of those pinch-me moments for us. Was it important to get this deal done and this partnership up and running because there's a, a challenging few years for the series with the changes in regulations with new cars coming in with a new top class coming up was it important to get this partnership done sealed and at least that side of things if you like put to bed so you have that stability to take forward into what seems to be another new era we, we keep 
just switching another light on here. We, we can certainly say that from a, a marketing entitlement category, we're set. We're yeah. set long term. You're right. We, we're about to enter a new era technically as well. This period that we've come through has been a byproduct of the merger. We've had a lot of compromise, a lot of adjustment, a lot of frustration on everyone's account. You know, some people would say when everybody's a little bit upset, you know, you've got the right balance. I can tell you that gets old. But we're about to put that frustration and compromise behind us with the adoption of global regulations, both in the GT categories and in prototype. So instead of having to fit round holes into square pegs and do it with adjustments and modifications and compromise, we're all going to be playing with new global technical regulations that will give us new cars, new manufacturers. You couple that with the marketing and the business uh, announcements made tonight, uh, I don't think we've ever been in a better position. I want to talk about the, the technical and the sporting regulations in a little while because there, there are some challenges to be met there that I know have already been faced head on. Just a, a final point on, on the WeatherTech sponsorship. Does it in some ways mean even more to you than the financial commitment that it's come from within the paddock, given what you've just said, that it's someone who, if you like, has come through the system, starting as a, a GTC sponsor way back in the the old IMSA days, and effectively you've brought that sponsor through to be the title sponsor of IMSA? Uh, there's so many aspects of this process that have been so rewarding and satisfying. What you just mentioned certainly fits that profile. Um, I think we have a nice blend of, uh, of what we would say are endemics, which we would count WeatherTech on that list, but also non-endemics, those that have been attracted to the demographics and the premium brands that are already surrounding us. So, yeah, coming from within, uh, a lot of satisfaction to be taken from that. But, you know, I, it, it sounds repetitive, but for anybody that's a fan of sports car racing, you have to look at this and see it as nothing but good news. And there's very few times when we can stand up and say that. More good news next year, I think everybody agrees, is the GT3 regulations coming in and opens up the North American marketplace for endurance racing for those cars. There's obviously some challenges that have to be met on a technical level, which includes performance balancing within the class. We've got used to that now, but also balancing the cars within the four categories that what will be the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship has to look at. How is that going? And and I know that process has already started. Tell us a little bit, if you can, about how that started and what's going to happen next. Yeah, we, we have a very qualified technical team that is very involved with both the FIA, the ACO. We're sharing data. We have a very good handle on what the performance levels are of current FIA GT3 cars. We recognize that there's a lot of new cars coming. So we will be actively participating in the FIA Ledoux homologation test mm. done at the Ledoux circuit. In, is that the uh, first time that's happened, Scott? That is the first time, yeah. So that, that's a, a proud position mm. for us to be in and, and one that we're uh, you know, very careful to, uh, 
to make sure that our first impressions there of having IMSA involved is, is a good one. And that's participating, not observing. You're going to be sharing some of the data that you've got and potentially influencing some of that process. Well, I, I don't know that I would, I don't want to overspeak that. Um, you know, it is an FIA homologation, yes. but the fact that IMSA, with our technical experts, will be involved, uh, you know, you would suggest that mm -hmm. because we have some really smart people working for us as well, that uh, perhaps their opinions or their perspective on things would be taken into account. But Brilliant. I don't want to suggest that this is a collaborative homologation. It's not. It, it's an IMSA homo or sorry, an FIA homologation that IMSA will be participating in. But it makes a lot of sense because there are some different situations that you guys have got to deal with within multi-class racing. We've talked about that within the, the prototype categories in the past. The good news is that it opens you up to more manufacturers. You expect, and I think everybody does, that the guys who are already there who have got GE3 products will be in. There were three TBAs on the slide tonight. I think you're being a little conservative there. I... I think we are being conservative, but that's how we prefer to be. Um, it's easier to, uh, to, you know, to to be surprised by too many than disappointed by too few. And you know, it's never done till it's done. You know, these this is a very difficult business for us. You know, you're depending on board of directors that uh, make decisions sometimes in foreign lands for pro programs that are operating here. Um, it's too early for us to tell. The one thing I will say is that we are going to release our application for participation next season earlier than ever before. We're going to get it out as soon as possible. We've been waiting for this announcement tonight for obvious reasons. Yes. And uh, with this now in the books, it, it frees us up to go out and and solicit formal applications for, for entries for next year. And and in the not distant future, I think I'll be able to fill in the blanks and, and hopefully there'll be some really impressive logos to be added to the ones that are already there. Yeah, I think that we could all think of three or four that could easily fit into some of those spaces. And I'm sure we'll talk about those in more detail in the coming weeks and months. The schedule is continuing the evolutionary nature of, of what we've seen. That's how you grow a series, date, equity, event equity a little bit of playing around with who's going where and that in some respects reflects what you've already learned this year you're right we couldn't be more pleased with the schedule announcement that we made it's the same venues the same great venues and events and promoter partners that we've worked with uh, I still believe it's the most valuable asset that we have coming out of the merger being able to combine those two calendars together the date equity that you spoke of is critical for all of us What's really helpful, though, we believe, is the fact that we can make this formal announcement. We think we're the first major motorsports platform in the world, perhaps, certainly in the United States, to be able to get our 2016 calendar out. It gives everybody a great opportunity to know exactly where to, we're going, when, where, and how. Um, the budget season is upon us now, so for sponsorship solicitation and all of the ramifications of that, and just to be building the expectations that every January we're in Daytona, every March we're in Sebring, every April we're in Long Beach, and yeah. so on and so forth. And we're going to finish up at Petit Le Mans Road, Atlanta. So it's, I've said it before, it's the way God intended it. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're just going to continue to carefully build upon this. We've added a lot of racing. When you combine the 24-hour race with a 12-hour race and a 10-hour race with a 6-hour race, big increases in the number of hours, the miles, the running time. We have to be very conscious of that as we grow. And in fact, have added a race to 
some of the categories to 11, uh, which has been 10 this year. What was the feedback when you spoke with the teams about that? I know that some of the teams wanted different venues. Are they happy to have that additional race for all bar the prototypes? Uh, we, I haven't heard from them because we just announced the schedule. I'm hopeful they're happy. You know, you'll probably hear about it before I do. Final question, Scott. How does how does this announcement today, and in particular, the if you like the roundup of what you your summary of, of the series, how? does that place the series now in terms of the planning it's still a young series let's not forget this is this is not 16 years of racing anymore this is a couple of years of racing how do you think it places the series for now and for the next five or ten years i've said it before i'll say it again i love our positioning i wouldn't trade it with anybody Uh, the announcements tonight just build upon an already well-established relevance of our motorsport platform in the industry, it builds upon an unprecedented level of resources that the France family's made available to us. It builds upon other long-term relationships that are already in place. It, it puts sports car racing in a, a trajectory of growth and stability that I believe is unprecedented. And, you know, it's, I guess it's, it's up to us to make the best of it and if we can't get it done, then we'll find people that can. And the TV numbers are absolutely underlining that, going in the right direction. We're trending the right way. We're not happy with our TV results. Um, that's a topic of, uh, of great priority for us. But you're right. We are trending the right way. We solid 8% improvement year over year. But uh, it's still not where we want to be. More to come there. Scott, thank you very much for your time. Congratulations on the announcement tonight. But do me a favor. Don't keep mentioning how few days there are to day 200 it just scares everybody <laughs> 175 make your plans now because uh, as we heard tonight tent camping rv camping and general car parking already sold out so uh, that bodes well for next year i'm pleased i've got a hard card scott thanks very much thank you john Appreciate it. this program is a production of imza and radio show limited for more visit radiolamon.com